Greetings to you in Jesus precious name. Welcome to Revive Nation stream. We are so glad you could join us this morning. I know that many of us are in different time zones, but we are so blessed to be here tonight one more time to receive from the Lord, the Lord who is king over your life, the Lord who reigns over each and every circumstances that you're facing right now. the lord who sees what you're going through and the lord who provides exactly what you need on a daily basis on a weekly basis yesterday i just turned on my facebook i usually don't go on facebook very often but just yesterday i pulled up my facebook to receive a word from my father just at time just in time for my need and i know that The Lord has been using him to minister to me every weekend and yet that one word that came just on time was enough to push my spirit into the next level to remember who God is to remember who the devil really is and I hope and I believe that you are not missing what God wants to give you if you're in this stream there is no way you are ignorant or unaware of what god is speaking to us because we have the voice of god we are blessed to have a family that is surrounding us praying with us and making sure that we do not miss the mark in this season that we are not taking anything for granted in this particular season of life we've been unearthing mysteries in the spirit realm and that unearthing of mysteries is going to bring us closer and closer to encountering the glory of god and this glory of god that we encounter it has a transformative effect on our lives it can transform our finances it can transform the way that we look physically it can transform our relationships it can transform our ministries it is not possible that we encounter the glory of god and that glory doesn't shine back on us and that's what our father has been teaching us in this season and especially this last weekend i hope and i pray that some of us will be diligent enough to go back and study and receive the word again and again till this word will not just be a sermon anymore where it becomes a personal revelation a personal blessing and a personal direction to several areas and spheres of our lives see the more diligent that we are to receive the word the more we will receive the blessings that are hidden in it usually when we go to a pastor or a leader we expect them to pray for us Now there's nothing wrong in our leaders praying for us there is definitely a blessing that comes from our pastors and our leaders praying for us but there is a blessing that we can receive in the word which is even greater than the blessing of somebody just praying for you and that blessing helps you to transform yourself it helps you to help yourself even when your man of god is not present with you to give you an advice or to pray for you or to remember you that word is really 
powerful it can carry you through different seasons of life and my hope is that we are not taking that word for granted in fact it is necessary that you celebrate the word and the carrier of that word from time to time so that you do not take that word for granted even for a single day and i'm so so excited to be here representing our prophet our pastor our leader our father our dear man of god pastor shaiju to bring the word tonight i know it's a it's been my honor and i've been thoroughly enjoying this journey and reading all your comments reading your responses of how the lord has been speaking to you personally from the book of revelation it's been such a joy and may the lord continue to speak to us in this season you know last week we stopped studying the portion where the bible talks about the battle of armageddon and in that description of that battle we saw a phrase a sentence from the lord himself where he says behold i come like a thief in the night very unexpectedly not when anybody is ready for me i come and i'm going to come like a thief in the night but blessed are those who are watching out for me who have kept their clothes ready so that they are not going to be naked and ashamed when i do come now today i'd like to go to the part where he does come he does get revealed to the whole world let's jump to revelation chapter 19 and beginning with verse 6 it says then i heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of a mighty ocean wave or the crash of loud thunder three different realms a shout of a vast crowd would mean somebody on the earth mighty ocean waves would mean somebody under the earth below the sea level and the crash of a loud thunder would mean somebody in the air somebody in the sky three different realms giving him praise saying praise the lord for the lord our god the almighty he reigns can i encourage you my dear friend the lord he reigns in your life today if he is going to be reigning in the midst of the chaos that is going to happen on the earth during the seven year period when everything is going for a toss you should remember that we've just concluded the wrath of god's judgment that is being poured out on the earth and that wrath it is going to create a havoc and chaos earthquakes and sores and all kinds of difficulties the sun moon and the stars everything responding to this wrath and now the bible says in the midst of all of it that the almighty the lord our god he still reigns if that is true in that season of the world how much more is it true today in your life whatever you're going through you don't have to be worried my dear friends you don't have to be hassled you need to learn how to trust in jesus and take the authority over your circumstances and release his rulership release his will 
declare let heaven come down on earth in my life let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven if there is no poverty in heaven then there is no poverty in my life if there is no sickness in heaven yes then i enforce that in my life there is no sickness in my life if there is no struggle in relationships in heaven then so let it be here on the earth you and i we can take authority because our god the almighty he still reigns he is still on the throne verse 7 it says let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb and his bride has prepared herself this is what they are saying as they worship the king as they worship the lord they say let us be glad and let us rejoice and let us give honor to him why because finally the time has come you know we've been waiting for this particular time for a really really long time jesus said when he was doing the last supper with the disciples he said i'm not going to drink of this wine till i come back in my kingdom and i'm going to be with you one more time i'm not going to drink of this wine again since then the disciples the followers of jesus has been looking forward to the time when jesus will return and there's going to be a great wedding feast and in this wedding feast the wine will not run out because jesus will remain the center will become will remain the king will remain the person who is throwing the feast and it says the time has finally arrived during the seven year period sometimes we can get confused about when would the church get to meet jesus here we have it in crystal clear details it says now finally after all these things have happened after the great armageddon war finally after the fall of babylon and after the whole one world religion and one world government has been exposed and brought to light everything counterfeit is 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 exposed and it is after all of this the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb but how do we know that the time has come it says this is how we know because his bride that is the church you and i says her his bride has prepared herself oh what a great and a glorious day that will be when the bride has prepared herself you know we spend a lot of time trying to discern the times and understand the world around us and that is necessary because jesus taught us to watch and to pray it is necessary that we be watchful of the signs and we be prayerful and yet the primary thing that you and i need to be doing is to prepare ourselves is to prepare our churches our homes our families to meet with the bridegroom if we are doing everything else like studying this end time study and studying the book of revelation and doing all of those things and yet not 
prepare ourselves then i think we have lost the whole point of this study it is not to get more information or knowledge about what is going to happen next it is to prepare ourselves to meet the lamb to meet the bridegroom to be one with him for all eternity that is the reason why we are studying this verse 8 it says this bride the church she has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear for the fine linen it represents the good deeds of god's holy people so so for all eternity we are going to be wearing what we've done here on earth can you imagine that when people look at you they're not going to be seeing your life in heaven they're going to be seeing your life here on earth so it's very important you know people talk all kinds of stuff saying your works are not important what you do here on earth your pursuit your prayer your fasting your uh, your purity here on earth none of that matters i'm telling you for all eternity your good deeds whatever you have done your works here on earth is what you will be wearing it says in the scripture so it's very necessary that we pay close attention to our words our behaviors our lifestyles here on earth verse 9 and this angel said to me write this blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the lamb and he added these are true words that come from god so now we see a distinction between the bride of the lamb and those that are invited to the wedding feast of the lamb and we will see that in a little more detail at a later point but for now let's carry on uh, verse 11 it says then i saw heaven opened and then a white horse was standing there its rider was named faithful and true for he judges fairly and he wages a righteous war i hope you remember some time ago when the seals were broken there was a white horse rider and we understood that that was a counterfeit messiah jesus said it like this many will come in my name many will come saying i am the messiah i am the answer i can help you i am the one who can ultimately be a great judge to be a great warrior for you to be a great king to you and jesus said don't fall for any of them because i am yet to come you know this white horse rider he represents a false messiah because the real messiah he is also going to come on a white horse he is also going to look the same uh, in in terms of uh, the solutions that he brings in terms of the answers that he brings it says that he is named faithful and true and he judges fairly and he wages a righteous war that is the jesus that we are looking forward to seeing the bible says this happened when the heavens opened 
So there's going to come a time in the midst of all of this when the world is least prepared to see Jesus. It says the heavens will open up and a white horse rider will come. His name would be faithful and true and he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. Verse 12 Are you ready to see this Jesus through the lens of Apostle John? He's seeing this Jesus and he's describing his face and his personality to us. Now it's beautiful. Let us enjoy this revelation that John has the grace to represent and reflect for us. Verse 12. His eyes were like flames of fire. I believe that when he does look at us with his eyes everything in us will melt everything that is not of him in our lives it will melt there will be a clear separation between what is necessary and unnecessary that is the power of his eyes his eyes were like flames of fire and on his head on his head were many crowns multiple crown one head but multiple crowns and a name was written on him that no one understood except himself so the first thing we see is that his eyes are like flames of fire and the second thing is the crowns multiple crowns on his head so you know jesus is always worshiped in heaven you would see how these 24 elders they worship and they would lay down his crown all their crowns at his feet but nobody can crown jesus with their crowns the maximum they can do is they can bring their crowns and lay it at his feet for somebody to be able to place a crown upon jesus He, that person has to be greater or have a higher authority than Jesus and that has to be the father himself who would have placed multiple crowns upon Jesus so multiple crowns represents multiple levels dimensions of domination where this Jesus who has one head with multiple crowns multiple crowns upon that head multiple authority all authority all glory on his head carrying that is what is represented there and he says that there was a name that nobody else understood except himself wow that will be a great conversation starter where we can spend time all eternity trying to talk to this jesus about his name and get a revelation from him about what his name really means what his name can uh, do where his name can be applied verse 13 it says he wore a robe which is dipped in blood and his title was the word of god i want you to remember this that the church she wears the gown that is representing the good deeds of god's people whereas jesus he wore a robe that is dipped in blood 
that is saturated in blood that is saturated in the representation of the sacrifice that he poured out for you and for me my dear friends for all eternity just like you and i we are going to be wearing the result of the cross of jesus jesus is going to be wearing the sacrificial blood that is going to be represented in his robe and it says and his title his name had a title his title was the word of god see john was one of the only person among all the disciples of jesus that had this particular revelation you wouldn't see many others talk about this but john said this multiple times that he was the word in the beginning was the word the word was with god and the word was god this word he became flesh and he dwelt among us john would say in the gospel and here in the book of revelation he sees this jesus whose eyes are like flames of fire who has a head uh, which is filled with crowns and then he sees his robe which is dipped in blood and he understands that his title is the word of god verse 14 the armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen followed him on white horses so it's not just one white horse there are plenty of white horses but there is one white horse which will lead them all and that is the one on which jesus is riding and it says all the armies of heaven they are going to be like him they are going to be following him they are dressed in the finest of pure white linen and i believe that this is not angels that we are talking about we are talking about children of god we are talking about those that have been bought by the precious blood of jesus those that have been following jesus in ages past and ages uh, to come these people that have relentlessly laid down their life to serving god it says that these guys they will be part of the armies that follow jesus on white horses wow do you picture yourself riding a white horse i really hope that you and i will be in that army we'll be taken up and we will be transfigured and we will be transformed and we will be the army that would ride along with jesus the same description is mentioned about the church verse 8 if you read you will see pure white linen and here the armies of heaven what are they wearing they are dressed in pure white linen the same thing it says and they followed him on white horses and that's why i believe that these are not angels but that this is the church that is going to come as the army that is backing jesus up verse 15 from his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations he will rule them with an iron rod and he will release the fierce wrath of god the almighty like juice flowing from a winepress 
Now, here we see how Jesus is going to overcome the Antichrist. See, when Jesus comes on the earth, he is going to be faced with this whole battle of Armageddon. And every child of God upon the earth that has been there at that point would have been raptured to meet the Lord in the air. And they will join with Jesus and come back. And they will be part of this army that, and he will come back with them. And you would see how Jesus is going to face the Antichrist. How he is going to face the dragon. How he is going to face the false prophet. There are three entities here on earth operating. The dragon, which is the old serpent. And then there is the beast, which is the ruler of the one world government. And then there is the false prophet, the guy who does miracles and signs and wonders in the name of the beast. And the Bible says, when Jesus comes, he is going to slay the beast with the breath of his mouth. There's going to be something that will come out of his mouth. And in verse 15 of Revelation chapter 19, it says it will be a, a sharp sword. This sword that comes out of his mouth, that is what is going to strike down the nations. Do you remember in the previous chapter, we studied how there are going to be nations of the earth that will gather in the valley of Megiddo. All the nations of the earth that have been lied to, that have been deceived, all of them, they're going to come to the valley of Megiddo so that they can fight the people of God. So that they can fight those that have risen up in uh, rebellion against the Antichrist. And those who have tried to uh, disobey the Antichrist. The, the whole world is going to assemble to smash them out. To, to take them out of the world so that they can live happily ever after. And that is the point at which Jesus will come. And it says Jesus is not going to war with them with a sword in his hand. He's not going to fight them with something uh, that he possesses, his angels, his uh, beings, although he has all of them, by the way. He has swords, he has angels, he has all the powers of the world at his disposal. And yet, the one thing that he is going to use to defeat the enemy forever and ever and ever is a sharp sword that would come from his mouth. And that kind of reminds me, my dear friends, that as a believer, as a child of God, your greatest authority is in your mouth. It is not in the, the you know, different types of things that we do outside. Guys, if we can just value the words that we speak, if we can just add extra weightage to what we pray, what we declare, what we confess, that one word that comes out of your mouth, it can either empower the enemy or it can defeat the enemy. Your words, it is really, really powerful. It is with a word, a breath from the mouth of Jesus, a word that will go out with that force from the mouth of Jesus, which is enough to strike down the nations. 
which is enough to take down the Antichrist. And that is enough to defeat the whole enemy of God in these last days. How amazing is that? How glorious is that? How beautiful would it be for us to witness that event? Further on, after defeating, he will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God the Almighty like juice flowing from a wine press. This is going to be a very scary time for anybody that wants to rebel against God. Anybody that doesn't really trust in him now we're going to see the difference uh, between those that are actually the bride of jesus and those that are invited to the wedding feast of the lamb we'll see that at a later point and yet there are going to be so many that have taken the mark of the beast and they've all willingly rebelled against god they've cursed god They've been grinding their teeth against the God of heavens and they've refused to repent. They've refused to turn their hearts to serve God. And Jesus, he is going to rule over them with an iron rod and he will release the fierce wrath of God, the final fierce wrath of God, the Almighty like a juice flowing from the wine press. And in verse 16, it says, On his robe, at his thigh, was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. This is the vision that John is seeing of Jesus. Please understand, this is still in the heavenly realm. It says the heavens were opened and Jesus, he was coming in a, on a white horse and now he his description, this is his description, how his eyes looked, what was on his head, what was he wearing, what was his title, who were following him, the armies that followed him, and the word that came out of his mouth, the sword that came out of his mouth to conquer, strike down the nations, and the iron rod in his hand, which will eventually release the fierce wrath of God upon the whole world. And it says, on his thigh was written this title. He is king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. I, I truly believe that when the Bible says that is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, the Bible is not referring to the kings and the lords of this world. The Bible is referring to those of us who will be ruling and reigning with him, who will be ruling and reigning on his behalf, who will be fighting his battles, who will be the ones that will be executing his judgment and making sure that people obey it. And it says that he will be the king of all these kings. And he will be the Lord of all these lords. If you see the scripture, there will be this continual emphasis on how you are a royal priesthood. You are a kingdom of priests unto God. There is continual references to that in the Old Testament when God called out the nation of Israel. 
God desired for them to become a kingdom of priests unto God. But the whole nation, they refused it. And that's why the kingdom went to Judah and the priesthood went to the tribe of Levi. But the whole nation had the calling of becoming a kingdom of priests. In the New Testament, when Peter would write about our calling, he would say, now we are a royal priesthood. So we have a royalty in our life and we have a priestly anointing upon our lives. And here we see that Jesus, he is the king of all kings, all kings. This kingship, it is over every dominion, over every domain. So we will have dominion over different domains and Jesus will rule over each and every one of us. But we are not just kings, we are also priests or we are also lords. So he will be the Lord of all lords. He will be the one who is in control, in charge, in, in, in place of superior authority over all lords. And that will be a glorious time for us to have that deep personal revelation of this Jesus, who is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. When John sees this vision, Jesus is still in heaven. The heaven opened and Jesus is revealed, right? But there will come a point when this Jesus will in fact touch his feet on the ground, on the earth. Now, between when he leaves the heaven and before he touches the earth, there is going to be a whole rapture where the church will be taken up and the church will meet the Lord in the air and they will be transformed they will join with jesus in the uh, hebrew weddings there will be this tradition where the bride she would leave her home and she will go out to meet the bridegroom when the bridegroom is about to reach her place there will be a cry that will be heard in the city or in her home or in her town where it says the bridegroom is here and the bride, she will leave everything and she will go out to meet him along with her entire family and will bring or usher or welcome him into her home, into her town, into her land. And I believe that that is exactly what the church is going to do, where the church will be taken up. We will go to receive Jesus and usher him onto this earth. And it says in Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 4, it says, On that day, when we come down with him, we saw the vision of Jesus in the air, in the heaven, outside of time, outside of the domain of the physical world. But now we see him on the earth. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. So, when Jesus returns, we know where he is returning. In spite of not knowing when or how and all the other details, we do know where he will land here on the earth. He will not land in America. He will not land in India. He will not land in any other parts of the world. His feet will come and touch the Mount of Olives, which is east of Jerusalem. That's a very 
detailed description that place is still there in israel and that place is where jesus will return when he does return it's a mountain that is east of jerusalem and the mount of olives will split apart you remember that the last the last wrath that had to be poured out was a wrath that involved a massive earthquake and you would see that that earthquake continues till jesus returns his feet touching the mount of olives is going to cause the mount of olives to split apart and it will make a wide valley running from the east to the west half the mountain will move towards the north and half toward the south it says you will flee through this valley for it reaches across to azel yes you will flee as you did from the earthquake in the days of king uzziah of judah then the lord my god he will come and all his holy ones with him do you remember this this is not referring to anything else this is referring to the same thing that john is seeing in revelation chapter 19 where jesus he comes and there is a army behind him all his holy ones that are wearing the white the pure white linen upon them uh, all his holy ones they are with him and together they will come and they will they will put their foot on the mount of olives and the entire mountain will be split into two and uh, they will try to run people will try to you know rush out of the battle out away from jesus they will try to escape at this point the bible says in those days let me read one more scripture this is enoch who is seeing this and jude happens to record it in jude chapter 1 verse 14 and 15 it says enoch who lived in the seventh generation after adam so this is way back before abraham before israel before any of the prophecies about jesus' coming is written in scripture enoch he lived the seventh generation after adam he prophesied about these people he said listen the lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world he will convict every person of all the ungodly things that they have done and all and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him why is the lord coming what does the coming of this lord signify it signifies the arrival of the great judgment because jesus is not coming this time just to establish his kingdom and to just do a do over or restart something he is coming firmly to execute judgment on the people of the world and this is what the bible says he will convict every person of all the ungodly things that they have done 
you know and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him so there is going to be countless thousands of his holy ones with him but jesus he's primarily coming to execute judgment that is why we saw the sword that is coming out of his mouth and that is why we saw the iron rod with which he is going to rule the whole world with which he is going to execute judgment over the whole world now there is so much we can learn about the judgment seat of christ because uh, you know you if you read scripture you would understand the order of judgment how god the father has given the authority to jesus to judge and how jesus will in fact give a lot of his authority to his servants his disciples his children to judge and rule and reign with him for the whole life span after that and we will go that go into that in in much more detail at a later point but today i'd like to just focus on the judgment aspect see when jesus comes when the white horse rider comes so comes judgment and you and i we need to be ready for this judgment see in this particular context the judgment that we are hearing about it's not about the church it is about the world how the world is going to be judged but do you know that before the world is going to be judged the church the people of god the bride of christ you and i we will also be judged and we will receive a just reward for our works or our misdeeds we will receive a reward from god and it is only after that reward it is only after that judgment where we have to stand before jesus and give an account and receive a reward will we come down to the earth to judge the entire people of the world let me explain how this works see if we don't understand this is happening in two different realms we will be extremely confused because we think okay, wait the church is on the earth and uh, there is a word that says that the time has finally come for the ju- for the wedding feast of the lamb and the church is being taken up and then jesus is coming back we don't see much difference in time here but what we don't understand is that once the people leave once you get raptured you're not in the constraints of time so when you're on the earth everything is uh, taking time and it it is a linear process but once you get raptured once you're outside the time domain you are no longer bound by time you can enter back into time domain at any point you choose to you want to you would like to that is how time works that is how it works in the spirit realm you can go out of time and you can come back into time but when you go out of time there is no measurement that you can give to time for example paul i'm sorry peter would say it like this for the lord a thousand days or a thousand years is like a day and one day 
is like a thousand years. Now, many people misunderstand this because they think, okay, for God, one day is like a thousand years. So, uh, so it's been only six days in God's calendar. Okay, that's right. There has been six thousand years of history. Uh, so it's about six days in God's calendar. But what we don't realize is that the verse also says, for God, <laughs> a thousand years is like a day and a day is like thousand years. So in other words, if the church would have to leave the earth, let's say for one day and go out into out of the time domain and go into the spirit world in the heavenlies, that one day that you are missing on earth, you could have spent a thousand years in the spirit realm. I hope you understand how challenging it can be for human brain to understand this. So what I'm trying to say is in the midst of all of this, Jesus is going to come and we will be raptured. Once we are raptured, we are outside the time domain. So how long are we going to take over there? We cannot measure it because we are outside of time. We are not in the constraints of time. See, at a later point, we will, when we come back with Jesus, we're going to live with him on this earth for a thousand years. See, on this earth, we will be able to measure time. But once we get out of this earth, once we leave this earth, we cannot measure time. And that is why you would see that the church will be raptured. And in that period of being raptured, the church will be judged. Why do I say this? Let's read 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 17. This is Peter giving us a glimpse on the judgment. It says, For the time has come for judgment, and this judgment must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news. So, see, the judgment happens when Jesus leaves heaven and he comes down with that iron rod and he is about to judge. Right? That's when the judgment is happening. And yet, See, previous to this, you don't see any judgment. You only see the wrath of God's uh, anger that is being poured out on the earth and all the things being accelerated. He has uh, sent his servants to preach and to try and make sure that somebody repents. He is doing everything possible, making sure, trying to get the attention of people. But now, finally, heaven has opened up and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is coming. He is coming this time to judge, to execute judgment. We read it in Zechariah and in Jude. But the judgment first will happen in God's household. Before God would judge the whole world, He is going to first judge the church. Ouch! He is going to first judge His people. Oh no, we were not ready for that. Oh no, yes, we will not experience the wrath of God, but we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Before we 
are capable and we are enabled and equipped to become the judges and the kings and the lords over all the earth you and i will be first judged and today i'd like to finish with reminding you of the three big criterias based on which you and i will be judged you know if you read the book of matthew see when matthew wrote the gospel of matthew he wrote it from the perspective from the lens of trying to show jesus as the king of the jews the messiah who was supposed to come and the messiah who will eventually come and so he wrote the whole story from a kingdom perspective so you'll see a lot of kingdom of god perspectives in the story of matthew now in matthew 24 you will read all the signs of the coming of the king what will the days be like what will be the time should be like what will be the people of the earth be like before the coming of the king and in matthew 25 he tells us how to be prepared for the coming of the king he's explaining what are the three most important things that we need to prepare ourselves for the coming of jesus so uh, as a as a part of the assignment from today can you go back and read matthew 25 a couple of times try to meditate on it if you can because i'm just going to just zip through this and give you the glimpses of what we read in matthew 25 now this is jesus speaking and he says that the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom you know the story five of them were foolish and five were wise the five who were foolish didn't have enough oil in their lamps so the first criteria for us to be judged will be based on how much oil we have in our lamps now wait a minute this is not talking about the people of the world this is talking about the church this is talking about the bride of jesus this is talking about those who are engaged in a committed relationship with jesus those who are in fact waiting for the bridegroom right and yet among the ones that are waiting for the bridegroom there are going to be the wise ones and there are going to be the foolish ones the wise ones are the ones who are constantly having oil in their lamp who are constantly engaged in their relationship with Jesus who are constantly growing in their walk with God and the foolish ones are the ones that go to God in a season of emergency when there is no health when there is no wealth when there is no, uh, ish, no when there is problems or struggles then they will go to God they they don't walk with God otherwise you know they are the foolish ones they they go to God only when there is a problem or a crisis but the wise ones they walk with god in season and out of season and because of that they have oil in their lamps the bible says when jesus would come when the bridegroom would come he would look at the foolish ones and say wait get away from me because i don't know you can you imagine jesus telling that to his church to people who come to church week after week intentionally purposefully all of that and yet Jesus would say I don't know you guys why 
because you were not intentionally pursuing me you are not intentionally growing in your relationship with me you might have made it a religion but hey there was no real oil in your lamp so the first way in which the church is going to be judged is to evaluate how well do we know god see god knows all of us right and yet god would look at these guys and say i don't know you guys i i don't know you that is not talking about a head knowledge or a intellectual knowledge of these people on earth or in the church god is saying i don't know you in my heart i don't have a relationship with you and that is a very dangerous place so the first criteria for god to judge his household his church is that he is looking not for an organized organization but he's looking for a bride a a virgin who has oil in her lamp ready to meet her bridegroom the second category you would see it in verse 29 it says to those who use well what they had been given this is again matthew 25 and verse 29 to those who use well what they are given even more will be given and they will have an abundance but those who do not do nothing even what little they have will be taken away and you know the story it is this is the parable of the king who gives talents to three of his servants to one he gives 5 to one he gives 2 and to one he gives 1 and the bible says none of them lost it which means they are not the people of the world the people of the world they have misused what god has given them they've lost it right but these three servants they have not lost what god has given them but they have responded differently two of the servants they multiplied what were given to them whereas one servant he did not multiply he just brought back the one that was given to him and jesus says no i was expecting you to multiply so the second second criteria by which the church will be judged will be what did you do with what i have given you what did you do with your resources what did you do with the time the money the relationships that i gave you did you multiply them or did you just bring it back to me as it is did you not do anything about it that is the second criteria by which the church will be judged and then there is a third criteria even more scarier one and it says in verse 40 and 45 and the king will say i tell you the truth when you did it to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters you are doing it to me and verse 45 i tell you the truth when you refused to help the least of these my brothers and sisters you were refusing to help me so this is the parable of the goats and the sheep where jesus says that there were people who who saw strangers and they didn't help them didn't do anything good for them and jesus says whatever you did to them you are in fact doing it to me because they were one of the least of my brothers and sisters 
so here it talks about how god is going to judge us based on how we treat the people around us the people that god has placed around us in our churches in our lives the neighbors that god has placed around us how are we going to treat them how are we going to love them how are we going to serve them how are we going to care for them the bible says god will ask an account for that as well now i was of the opinion that god is only going to check my heart and my relationship with him and i used to think okay i have a good relationship with god i may i may not have loved everybody i may not have done very well with my resources but i have i i love jesus but truth be told dear church god is going to judge us on all these three different fronts he'll first check what did you do with your relationship with him he'll also check what you did in your relationship with your neighbors with the people that you were lo- supposed to love and serve and he will also check what he did with those resources that he gave to you how did you treat them how did you appreciate or multiply them how did you utilize the resources he gave you did you look down on yourself like many people you know who have this one talent we sometimes tend to hide it because we compare that one talent with the others that have five and two and all these and we think oh no i have nothing worth i don't have anything that can change anything do anything and we look down on ourselves because of which we don't multiply and jesus is going to ask an account even of those people so there are three levels of relationship that you see here that god is going to ask an account from the church the first how did you love god the second how did you love your neighbors the third how did you love yourself see somebody came to jesus and asked which is the most important commandment of all and jesus said love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul mind and strength and then you have to love your neighbor as you love yourself so there are three loves mentioned loving god loving people and loving yourself and the bible says in matthew 25 that god is going to ask the church an account for all these three levels how well did you love me did you have oil in your lamp how well did you love yourself did you multiply the one talent that i gave you how well did you love your neighbor did you care for the ones that didn't have what they needed to survive and the bible says see this is the scary part the bible says the ones who did not do it the five foolish virgins the one foolish servant and the 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 goats in the final story or the ones that did not take care of the ones that were around them the bible says they were cast into darkness they were cast into a place where there is gnashing of teeth they were cast into hell in layman's language can you imagine jesus casting 
some people to hell because they did not love their neighbors because they did not make the most of the resources that was given to them see sometimes we can spiritualize everything saying okay i love jesus i don't care about anybody else i just love jesus but if you love jesus then you have to also love yourself you also have to value what you have and and go out there and multiply the talents that god has given you multiply you know it's it's not necessarily spiritual it is it is physical sometimes it can be your physical money and resources that god wants you to multiply then go ahead and multiply that and that's not enough it's not enough that you multiply and you love god it's necessary that you intentionally look out for people that you can serve people that you can be the hand and the feet of jesus to because jesus says whatever you do to one of these least of my brothers and sisters you are in fact doing that for me so the reason i brought this up is because i believe that this is how jesus is going to judge the church this is not talking about the world the judgment of the world is on a different level altogether we will talk about that if the lord permits it uh, at a different point but this is the judgment of the church the white horse rider he is going to first judge the church and he is going to ask us an account for how we loved him how we loved ourselves and how we valued and cared for the people around us now my prayer is that when he sees us he will find us worthy to be part of that army that will ride with him on those white horses he will find us uh, ready prepared it says the time has come where the bride has made herself ready see there are things that jesus has done for you but that is not what prepares you to meet him can i read that verse one more time this is revelation chapter 19 and verse 7 it says let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb and his bride has prepared herself not that jesus has prepared her not that the holy spirit has prepared her not that god has prepared this bride no 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 it says the bride has prepared herself so what jesus did for you on the cross will not prepare you for the wedding feast what the the holy spirit filled you with these gifts and the abilities that will not necessarily prepare you for the wedding feast but what you do with what god has given you how you make sure that there is oil in your lamp how you will multiply the little even if it is that one tiny talent one small gift how you are going to treat that brother that sister that god has put around your life that will determine if you are prepared yourself if you have prepared yourself if you are ready for the marriage feast of jesus so my prayer today is that in this next few days we will intentionally prepare ourselves we will intentionally 
by the help of God, by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, as the Lord leads us, we will prepare ourselves. Those talents that we have kept buried, hoping to give it back to Jesus when he comes, I'm telling you, now is the time to bring it out and begin to do something good and worthwhile with it. And those relationships that we have ignored and said somebody else will come and take care of them, help them know, you may be the person that God has ordained to reach out and be the hands and the feet of Jesus to those people. And, of course, the most important of all, if, you, if you've, you know, undervalued the importance of oil in your lamp, then this be the season where you pursue that oil where you pursue that intimacy, where you pursue that deep closeness and relationship with your bridegroom. I really hope that today the Lord spoke to you to prepare yourself for the wedding feast of the Lamb. It is coming close. It is closer than you can ever think or imagine, my dear friends. I really hope that we are ready to say yes to Jesus. We are ready to ride that white horse along with our great white horse rider. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, tonight we come not with boastful hearts. We come with humble hearts desiring to wear this pure white linen that you have prepared for us. This pure white linen that represents the good deeds that we have done, the, the love that we have shown to you, the love that we have shown to your people, the love that we have shown to ourselves by the way that we have, we have treated those talents and those treasures that you have given us, Daddy. Lord, in this season, we know that you are going to come one of these days. We know that one of these days we are going to see you face to face. And in this season, we, we just want to prepare ourselves, Lord. Prepare ourselves in every way. Spiritually, emotionally, financially, relationally, in academically. In every way, God, every area of our lives that we be prepared for the wedding feast of the Lamb. That the bride has prepared herself. Lord, my prayer is that you will convict some of us with some holy sacred responsibilities and do-overs that we need to do bring about in our lives today in this week lord god that you would convict us of some areas in our lives we where we need to change a hundred person where we need to go from zero to hundred overnight tonight lord grip our hearts with this holy reality that you are coming back and you're coming back for a prepared bride. We love you, Jesus. We give ourselves to you wholly to serve you, to serve your people, and to serve your purposes. We give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. I truly believe, my dear friends, that some of us, we, we're going to be convicted to do things that we have never done before. And as you do them, May the Lord give you the strength that is necessary, that is required to uh, stay faithful unto the very end. Thank you so much for tuning in. May the Lord bless you guys. Leave a comment. If you're worshiping the Lord along with us, let us know in the comments below. If you're here for the very first time, 
let us know that as well let us know where you're tuning in from we'd love to read and praise god for each and every one of you wow keep the comments coming may 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 the lord go with each and every one of you may this few days till the weekend be glorious i'm telling you we have been already going from glory to glory i don't know i really don't know what to expect but i know that it's going to be even more glorious this weekend and uh, it's it's just getting more deeper it's just getting more more greater and we are going to become even more stronger this is our season to be rooted and let's not miss anything absolutely nothing of what god is speaking and releasing over our lives that's all for tonight have a blessed night or a good day wherever you are